Amen. So Genesis 19, um, a uh, familiar passage. <laughs> it's a, uh, it's kind of one that is uh, a lot of people know about whether they know about the Bible or not. It's kind of one of those um, where everybody goes, yeah, Sodom and Gomorrah and uh, you know, hellfire, brimstone, and you know all these things. And and there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of familiarity with it. I. You know, during this week, I don't know if any of you are fans of the NFL or whatever, and are probably familiar with what happened. We, um, I, I, it was uh, Monday night, it just kind of flipped on, and and uh, they were describing something catas- uh, catastrophic that happened, and the player that got hit and it threw his heart in uh, out of whack, and he literally died on the field, and they had to revive him. And and uh, you know, one thing I've noticed this week is there like. It's widespread throughout all the news, all everything is prayers, prayers, prayers. And don't get me wrong. I'm so blessed to know that, that this nation is is turning to the Lord in prayer. I just wish it wasn't all only always and only when it's something catastrophic happens, you know, uh, because uh, oftentimes uh, when I've seen some of the uh, whether it's a Facebook post or whatever, um, uh, from people that I know aren't <laughs> necessarily plugged into the Lord. I'm blessed that they, you know, but I'm like, I don't know what God they're praying to. I don't know what they're saying, you know, and uh, it's, 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 it's good to hear that and uh, to see people coming together. Um, but I, I, I just, I wish that this nation, you probably remember after September 11th, um, I mean, September, the churches were so full. We were in Washington state. Uh, at that time, and and uh, Jen was still in the Air Force, and and um, we uh, we were out that way, and uh, our church, uh, Calvary Chapel, Spokane Valley, uh, was uh, packed to the gills. Like it was actually, we weren't there for it. We were we were stuck here. We were, we couldn't get a flight home, um, and uh, so uh, but they told us it was so packed that they. They had the, like standing room only in the back, and this is a church, you know, um, quite a bit bigger than this. You know, uh, it kind of if you turned it this way a little bit and and um, and back a little bit, plenty of seating. You know, you're talking, I don't know, 200 seats or something. And we used to have I don't know 100, 150 people there on a, uh, any given Sunday or whatever, and and it was so packed, and it lasted that way for a couple weeks. And that's that's how we are uh, as people is when we're going through something is when you know the, when we'll go to the Lord and and um, and, uh, and cling to Him more. Uh, I just it's unfortunate that it took this man's uh, near death experience uh, to to bring people there, and I, I hope that the prayer continues for him and that he recovers, uh, but that this would 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 uh, be something that everybody kind of opens their eyes to. Wait, wait a minute. It's okay to pray. It's okay to say something about the Lord. And, you know, there's so much of the, the negativity around uh, around praying and around uh, the name of God, specifically Jesus Christ, that uh, there's uh, – I'm just I'm, – I'm blessed that people are praying, I, you know, there, but there can sometimes be a gathering in the name of whoever God somebody's worship, somebody's worshiping in their life. That I are is somebody actually going to benefit from the prayer? I, you know, yeah, we know the one true God, and uh, so I just um, I'm, I'm blessed that everybody's open to prayer and open to to things like that right now. But I, I'm just it's just unfortunate that it has to be some sort of national event 
that to to bring people to that point. So uh, just pray uh, that we can pray that the church for a church revival that that that, you know we we can't make that revival happen on our own, but it's that the Lord uh, would minister to the church and that the church would turn our hearts back to the Lord, and then it spreads like wildfire from there. So. So we prayed. Uh, we're going to look into Genesis 19. Like I said, it's the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. And uh, it brings up a lot of topics. And there's a lot of discussion uh, around what was happening in Sodom and Gomorrah. And as we read this, um, I put three words on my notes. Frustrating, enraging, and amazing. <laughs> and I just put those three on here because there's a lot of frustration when you read this chapter. Um, and there's, uh, there are parts of it that are enraging, you know, when, when Lot starts offering up his daughters to an angry mob, uh, that's not good. You know, that's enraging. I'm the da- I'm the father of three daughters. Uh, not okay. <laughs> you know, so there's some things there and, and amazing is, is, uh, we see the amazing power and deliverance of the Lord, uh, for the righteous that they wouldn't be judged, uh, with the wicked. And so there are a bunch of things there. So, um, before we get into this, I, 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 as I was putting notes together, I struggled with whether to dis- discuss this before uh, before we get into Genesis 19 or after, and I really think it's a more of a tone setter uh, to go through it in the beginning. But uh, the, the discussion of homosexuality, um, that uh, it is a sin. It's described in the scripture as sin. Uh, we can't really get around it. There's There's no way to get around it. We can't redefine it. Uh, it is sin. As Christians, uh, we are called to, just like we would to anybody else living in any other type of sin, to love them and share the grace of God with them. And uh, that's that's what we're called to do. There's, uh, As we know right now, there's quite a uh, militant um, uh, homosexual movement going through uh, uh, any type of uh, media and those things. So we're really facing... Uh, an unprecedented time when you can drive downtown, uh, especially in June, in any town, and and see uh, the the, the uh, I, I, I can't think of all the letters right now, but you see the flags flying, and oftentimes more than than our own nation's flag. Uh, so we we're in the time that, that of of that movement where you have a small minority that is so loud that is making such a uh, an impact. Um, and my encouragement to everybody is not to let that get us to a point where we are look at those people as an enemy of ours, that each individual, we understand they are in their specific sin, sinners, just like we were in our specific sin or sins, uh, sinners before we came to Christ and that we would uh, share the love of Christ with them. Uh, we don't necessarily have to accept, uh, just like we don't have to accept other lifestyle uh, styles or, or sins. We don't have to accept those sins, but we uh, we can't expect them to act as Christians if they're not. And uh, for us to be able to, to share the scriptures and to share Christ's love with them uh, is going to be more powerful than any argument uh, that we're going to have with them or standing on another side of a picket line or whatever, screaming back and forth. I've never seen somebody say, "Hey, I was at this at this rally, and I was here, and you know, enough people yelled at me, so I knew that I was wrong." And I can't, you know, it doesn't happen that way, you know, it just doesn't. Uh, you know, we we I, I see it even now. Um, there there are some movements uh, or some picketing that happens even in my hometown, and 
and nobody really pays attention to them. But I hear a lot of people say that they want to do X, Y, and Z. And, you know, I'm going, you know, we're, you're not going to, that's what they're expecting. They're expecting the hatred in return. But, you know, it's the, it's the patient, you know, sitting down and, and having a discussion and, uh, and listening and then one-on-one -on -one circumstance if the Lord provides, but, uh, without, you know, put away our sword, <laughs> don't be ready to chop off ears and be ready to just hear, to listen, be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath, right? That's what the scripture tells us in James. So we need to be, um, ready to share the gospel. And sometimes that will require us sitting down and hearing somebody else's side. And, and we, we know we're standing on the right side, on, on the right side of truth, but, uh, to get to a point where we can be approachable. And uh, that we are ones that are known that, you know, we are, are people that love uh, and uh, we aren't out to make you the enemy or whatever. The message, their message uh, is very much a strong message of the enemy and we need to let them know that. I've had, I've had these very personal and one-on-one and -on -one conversations before um, with people close in my life and uh, I've found it to be at least if they didn't change their mind, at least they know I don't hate them. And uh, that I'm just sitting here going, well, you're just fuel for the fires of hell because I don't look at them like that at all because, hey, you know what? I was on that road also. So um, so when I share these things, it's important for us to be very firm and very strong in our faith, but to share these things in love. Because if we're just riding around throwing a rock with this, uh, you know, uh, painted on it at somebody. We're not going to get the gospel around that way. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's approaching people where they're at and sharing and talking. Uh, so, um, we've prayed, we're going to look into a few things. wanted to establish uh, a few things from the scripture before we get into Genesis 19. So Leviticus chap <clears throat> chapter 18, I've got to try to keep my voice low so I don't lose my voice again. Uh, Leviticus 18 verses, uh, 22 and 23. The Lord is establishing that homosexuality is a sin. says, you shall not lie with a male as with a woman. It is an abomination. Nor shall you mate with any animal to defile yourself with it. Nor shall any woman stand before an animal to mate with it. It is perversion. Now, these are pretty heavy things to look at to start a Bible study. I realize that. But God is putting homosexuality in the same category of bestiality. Uh, and that's quite a statement. I mean, that's that's not my personal opinion. That's the word of God. Uh, just clearly uh, stating that in Leviticus. In Leviticus chapter 20, verse 13, it says, If a man lies with a male as he lies with a woman, both of them have committed an abomination. They shall per surely be put to death. Their blood shall be upon them. Now, in a way that the Lord was establishing that this was a sin and um, uh, how he established this, and what he's trying to do is tell Israel, this should not be a part of your life. So as he's giving them the law, he's saying this cannot be a part of Israel moving forward. This is what the surrounding nations are dealing with. And as you move forward, you should not be intermarrying with them. You shouldn't be taking on that type of uh, that from their culture, bringing this into uh, into uh, Israel, into my children. And he's explaining these things, and it's so serious that, that that person, just as they as though they had committed other sins that would permeate other people's lives and destroy their lives, was considered one that was worthy of being put to death for. Now, Romans chapter 1, verses 26 through 28 says, For this reason, God gave them up to vile passions. 
For even their women exchange the natural use for what is against nature. Likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of a woman, burned in their lust for one another, men with men, committing what is shameful, and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error which was due. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting. So we see there's a, a digression that's happened. The Lord has established that that is sin. And what's being addressed here in, in the two verses that we just looked at in Leviticus. But when we get into Paul's letter to Rome, uh, the church at Rome, Paul's exchange, uh, explain, explaining that, you know, exchanging the natural use of a woman and burning their lust for other men is, is shameful and that, it, that it's wrong. And, and he, he, he continues in that category that it is, it's still sin even when you move into the New Testament thousands of years after that was written back in Leviticus. Now, uh, 1 Corinthians 9, Paul writing to the church at Corinth, uh, ver uh, sorry, 1 Corinthians 6, verses 9 through 11 says, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Now, there's a whole list of other things other than homosexuals listed on here. Very important for us to understand this. Okay, there's a whole lot of people that this encompasses. So when you look at neither fornicators, that's anybody who's having sexual contact with somebody else uh, of the same or opposite sex. Uh, well, in this context, it would be the opposite sex uh, outside of marriage. And uh, that's our culture. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, not so nor, sodomite, uh, goodness, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. That's a long list and a very inclusive list, isn't it? I mean, I can look right there and go, drunkards, revilers, I was a partier. <laughs> that was me right there. Yep, that was me. Nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. Paul makes this list, and he's describing to the church at Corinth. And if you read through Corinthians, there's a lot of correction happening uh, in Paul's letters to Corinth. Um, uh, there's some in the first, some a little more pointed even in the second, but uh, Paul lays it on thick, and he's describing things uh, that uh, that uh, maybe they didn't want to hear. We've talked about in, in Proverbs, it says, faithful are the wounds of a friend, deceitful are the kisses of an enemy, right? It, if we love somebody enough, we're willing to share with them, hey, this is not right for you. This is something you need to turn from. Turn to the Lord, and, and he's describing that. Now, he lists this big, long list of people that conduct their lives in this manner. And he says, no extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. Verse 11 is awesome. Verse 11 is where you can drive home the grace and the changing power of the gospel and, and what Jesus Christ does in someone's life where it says, and such were some of you, and such were some of you, but you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus by the Spirit of our God. That's so we we look at how serious a sin homosexuality is, and we see that that as as it's progressed through the Scripture, Paul is still dealing with it and addressing it in the in the New Testament. So it hasn't changed. It's not like it was it was you know God saw it as an abomination then, and and now it's no longer. But the reason I bring this up is because this is an actual presentation of an argument. That it's no longer an, ab an abomination. It was back then, but it's no longer. No, it very much is. It's still addressed here in the, in the New Testament. 
2,000 years ago, Paul wrote it, and it still applies today. Paul doesn't say, hey, you know, in the year or whatever, this is going to expire and doesn't make any more sense. That's not how he, how he produced it. He said people that are conducting themselves, adulterers, thieves, covetous, uh, covetous, you know, those anybody that you, we can put into those categories, many of us might be able to check off several boxes, unfortunately. I laugh, but I laugh because I'm like, oh, my goodness, you know. It's 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 gross to look at our own sin and, and look back and and uh, but to understand this is to set the tone of what we're getting into that that it is a sin that God said to stay away from and when Paul wrote in Romans and he's talking about that God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting when we get into Genesis 19 we're going to see people that were 100 percent affected by this debased mind. That God had uh, had described uh, thousands of years later as uh, Paul's writing to to the Romans. Now David Guzik um, uh, put a note in in here that I I, I uh, kind of stumbled across and I was blessed by it, so I, I had to copy and paste it and put it in here. Uh, Pastor David Guzik says, "If we abandon the Bible's guide for sexual sexual morality, uh, what guide for sexual morality will we follow?" I was like, oh, my goodness, there it is. If we abandon the Bible's guide for sexual morality, what guide for sexual morality will we follow? Look what America has done. Look where we're at. That's, it, it, that's all he had to say, really. He didn't even have to put any more commentary after that. You know, the commentary is right in our culture. We can just look around. And it's so, so um, it's, it's permeated our culture. So now that we've uh, talked for about 15 minutes, we'll get into the scripture a little bit more and we'll start studying uh, in Genesis 19. Um, now, Genesis 19 verses one through three. Now, the two, so where, where this is coming off of is the Lord had just told Abraham that he was going to des destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And there's the exchange where we understand God's patience, his mercy, and his grace that he's showing in every answer that he gives to Abraham as Abraham is asking him. And he says, not so, Lord. Would you destroy the, the righteous with the wicked? And then that dialogue comes where uh, uh, Abraham is starting to say, if there are 50 righteous in Sodom and Gomorrah, will you, you know, what happens then? And God says, if there are 50 righteous, I'll spare it. And then it goes down to 45, to 40, to 30, to 20. gets all the way down to 10. And God said, if there are 10 righteous, I'll spare. <sighs> History tells us. So uh, and it says, now the two angels. Now, because when God was, God was visiting Abraham, it was God and, and um, uh, two angels. And the two angels had departed. And, and Abraham, and as they departed, they were heading for Sodom and Gomorrah. God stayed and had this conversation with Abraham. So uh, 19 verse 1 says, Now the two angels came to Sodom in the evening, and Lot was sitting in the gate of Sodom. When Lot saw them, he rose to meet them and bowed himself with his face toward the ground. And he said, Here now, my lords, please turn into your servant's house and spend the night and wash your feet, that you may rise early and go on your way. And they said, No, but we will spend the night in the open square. But he insisted strongly. So they turned in to him and entered his house. And then he made them a feast and baked unleavened bread, and they ate. 
So uh, what we see is as those uh, as the conversation uh, winded down with Abraham, that the two angels move forward and they approach Sodom, and they meet Lot. Now Ma, uh, Lot is uh, he's uh, he's um, returned to the same place after the Lord and Abraham uh, had delivered him. Uh, the Lord, I should say, the Lord through Abraham uh, when the the, uh, the kings had had conquered the four kings had conquered the five and. Uh, Abraham goes and finds out, uh, you know, where Lot is and uh, conquers uh, that army that's there with his small group of uh, untrained servants. And uh, or at least minimally trained servants. And uh, they they bring Lot back and he goes and he settles back where he was before. So now he's sitting uh, in the uh, the city gate, which would be where the leadership of the city would meet. And uh, they would congregate there and they would sometimes give judgments to things that were going on in the city or give guidance and counsel and those things. So with him sitting there, he was sitting there in a position of leadership. And uh, as they're coming, uh, Lot's sitting there and the two angels come and Lot greets them immediately and, and bowed down in respect. He's not worshiping them, but he's bowing down in respect. And uh, it's customary uh, for him to greet them and, uh, you know, his what we see here is that he has a certain urgency to his uh, his uh, request for them to come with him. It's, as soon as uh, the first thing we have recorded here is here now, my lords, please turn into your servant's house and spend the night. Wash your feet that you may rise early and go upon your, go on your way. Um, there's a sense of urgency that's immediately addressed there. The angels, they're, they're called men here, they, uh, you know, came in earthly form and it says uh, and they said no but we will spend the night in the open square <clears throat> now they're aware of who lot is and that that's going to create pa a panic you know they were sent to uh to deliver lot and to pull him away from uh from the impending doom so when they would bring that question up he immediately and i'm sure that they knew this was coming insisted strongly that they would turn into him um, and, and, and insist when he insisted uh, strongly and, and they came in and, uh, they went there and he presents a, a feast to them and everything. And so he's, he's, uh, you know, got an, a sense of urgency and, uh, we see that he's, he's insisting strongly. It says, um, it, it, when he says you can stay tonight here, wash your feet and right, just go up in the morning. It's getting too, too dark. And he knows that two people that are new to the area, uh, sleeping in the city square, very dangerous situation for them. And we'll see why. Now, remember, when the Lord had met with Abraham, he told him that the cries had reached uh, to the Lord and that the Lord, it wasn't that the Lord wasn't aware, but he's showing his his righteous judge, uh, judgments that he is going to uh, look at the evidence that's presented before him. Uh, so it's not like God was like, oh, I didn't know Sodom and Gomorrah is full of a bunch of sinners. It wasn't like God didn't know that. Um, but he's, he's coming and it's being written down so that we can understand that God is the perfect judge isn't quick to judge. He's, he's what we see here is we see his, his mercy and his grace poured out as when he was saying, even if there were 10. Um, but we also see that he looks into the whole matter and, uh, with God as the perfect judge, it's, it's, it's great for us to be able to understand this, this, uh, attribute of the Lord and be able to come to a, uh, a better understanding of him. But he's basically tell them, you can't stay out here all night. Would you please come in? And they, they hear the urgency and he's trying to keep them from the wicked. Now, now Lot knew um, that he was a righteous man 
uh, in a wicked place. And uh, we've covered this a few times uh, in the scripture together, but I'm going to share the verses again. Second Peter 2 verses 7 and 8 say uh, that the Lord delivered, delivered righteous Lot, who was oppressed by the filthy conduct of the wicked. For that righteous man <clears throat> dwelling among them tormented his righteous soul from day to day by seeing and hearing their lawless deeds. So Lot was every single day was there. Why? I don't know. <laughs> you know what I mean? Why did he pick up his tent and leave? You know, but what we'll see is as this song, as this, this chapter develops, not only did he stay there, he built a house there, you know? So, I mean, it, it was, he was settled in there and, it, 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 what we see here is that he tormented, and I think the I think the King James Version says he vexed his righteous soul. You know, it was such a powerful thing for him uh, every day, day in day out, that it was it was torture of, uh, torturous of him to be there. And but he made the decision to stay there regardless. And the Lord has to bail him out, as we read here, has to literally send angels to drag him out of his house. We're going to see that to drag him out of his house because there's a point where he's just lingering around and the, the angel's like, what are you doing? Get out of here. But you'll see here, even as it's as bad as it gets, he doesn't want to go. It's, it's, it's really weird. And I'm getting way ahead of myself, but uh, that's, it is what it is. But that's a, a, a picture of uh, being painted uh, of, of what's happening here and the urgency in his heart. He knew these were very, very wicked men. And that if these men stayed here, it was likely that they would lose their life overnight. So he's trying. You know, if we knew that anybody is is in in danger, um, there were times, you know, back in my day uh, that, uh, and I don't know about you guys, but I remember when I was a young, you know, college kid, being a little punk. I, I uh, we always had these little like code words or head nods, like, hey, you know, this might end up, you know, we, this, I might have just, you know, ticked off the whole football team at UMaine or whatever. I don't know. But there was always that, you know, that look that, you would know, between your friends or whatever, like, hey, we got to go, you know, and, and it was that thing. And, and I remember that happening on a couple of occasions at different places or whatever. But it was like time to go. All right, let's go. And um, because we knew, OK, things might get bad. So a uh, lot. In uh, the situation he's in, uh, gets to a point where he has the opportunity, but where it's a little bit perplexing when we read it. So, verse four. Now, before they lay down, the men of the city, the men of Sodom, both old and young, all the people from every quarter surrounded the house, and they called to Lot and said to him, "Where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out to us that we may know them carnally." So if there was any question in a reader's mind, like what's going on in Sodom and Gomorrah, knowing carnally means that they want to have sexual relations with these men. The men of the city, the old and the young, want to have sexual relations with these men, and they don't care if it's consensual or not, is what they're saying. So uh, what we hear uh, and what we read in Genesis 18, the Lord said, uh, verses 20 and 21, and the Lord said, because the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and because their sin is very grave, I will go down now and see whether they have done altogether according to the outcry against it that has come to me. And if not, I will know. You know so these cries that were, were getting uh, raised to the Lord, and, and once again, it wasn't that the Lord was like, hey, i got to go find out. You know, the, what the Lord is showing us is, is his... Um, his righteous judgment and how he 
uh, as the perfect judge uh, conducts himself. So these men say, bring them out to us that we may know them carnally. And uh, it says, both old and young. So the perversion and depravity had permeated the whole male culture of that whole area, Sodom and Gomorrah. That all of them around there, uh, male, all the males, old and young, uh, it says all of them, everybody. They were all there. I don't know how many that was, but it sounds like a lot. you know. And they're all surrounding the place. So you can just imagine they're there and they've got their, their flaming torches you know, because it's nighttime. And they're all surrounding Lot's house. And they're making a demand right now for Lot to send these men out so that they can have their way with them sexually. And when it says all the people, it says from every quarter. So the whole area, you know, they're, so they're surrounding the house. And all I, you know, when you look at this, what a wicked and gross place to be that all of these men are there and they're ready to do that. And, you know, this is now it, just imagine in this type of a deprived city that a depraved city, I should say, um, the crime and the disease that that is all through this city. And the, the outcry, uh, no doubt, a lot of that outcry came from Lot himself saying, Lord, it, it, you know, whether it was Lord, deliver me or Lord, I, I feel like I'm supposed to. We don't know. Why did Lot stay there? No idea. But he was there and there was there was much outcry. And uh, so they're there demanding. It says, verse six. So Lot went out to them through the doorway. So we know there's a doorway and that Lot had built a home. Or bought a home, but he's there. And it says, uh, so he went out the door, through the doorway, shut the door behind him and said, please, my brethren, do not do so wickedly. See now, I have two daughters who have not known a man. Please let me bring them out to you and you may do to them as you wish. Only do nothing to these men. Since this is the reason that they have come under the shadow of my roof. Roof. And they said, stand back. Then they said, this one came in to stay here and keeps acting like a judge. Now we will deal worse with you than with them. So they pressed hard against the man lot. They came near to break down the door. Pretty intense situation. This is bad. So they're pounding on the door, demanding that Lot deliver these guys. Now, remember what I talked about, those, those words, the frustration that I, that I uh, just caught as I'm reading this, that frustration, that, that rage and, and just amazement as I read through here. And um, it really, uh, a much of, two of them can be seen right here. Uh, but so now Lot tries to take things into his own hands, and he goes out and shuts the door behind him and tries to quiet this violent, rapist mob down and look what he proposes please don't do so wickedly and it immediately goes to ready to feed his daughters to this vicious mob it's sickening it's enraging you know he, he's trying to he's you know and what we see here is that they say in verse 9 now we'll deal worse with you than with them he's trying to trying to to save these visitors that are there. He has a responsibility, especially in those cultures. And uh, if you've never seen the movie Lone Survivor, um, when uh, uh, Mark Wahlberg is, is playing uh, the part of, um, and now I can't remember his name, um, 
Marcus Luttrell, Marcus Luttrell, Navy SEAL, who um, uh, was was they were caught in Afghanistan. He was the lone survivor of a four-man SEAL team uh, that was heavily, uh, very uh, heavily, am uh, just attacked, and uh, he gets taken in. Um, when he gets to the bottom of the mountain and he's, he's so uh, greatly uh, injured, you know, uh, broken legs, broken everything. And, um, and, uh, right on, on uh, knocking on death's doorstep pretty much. And a, um, a villager in, uh, in Afghanistan took him in. And if you take somebody into your home, you're now responsible for them, uh, to care for them. So uh, even in, in uh, that that Middle Eastern culture, uh, it was it, that man's responsibility, which made him a a uh, enemy of Al Qaeda, and uh, and things things you know where a lot of threats were made and everything. But you know when he brought him in, when um, these uh, when uh, Lot had brought these two men into his house, he's now responsible for them, and but the the option he presents. It's not the option you should ever present. It, it, it's, uh, you know, these understand that in this culture, women, uh, the, uh, they were held in such low esteem that it was like, yeah, you could just take my daughters. Don't hurt these guys. You know, just, just to think, I, I, I don't know. I, I have three daughters and that would never come out of my mouth. It never would, you know, and it just, you know, uh, it, he says that they, they had not known a man and we're going to see later that their men described as their husbands. Uh, it can lead us to, and uh, through our biblical study, uh, we can understand that they, uh, because they were still living in their home, most likely betrothed to these men, but not married. They would still be uh, legally husband and wife and, and b would require uh, letters of, of uh, divorce uh, to separate the marriage. But uh, for them to have not known a man, either lots lying uh, or uh, they were married, uh, they were um, engaged to be married. So either way, it's it's one of the two. Um, <clears throat> uh, however, you because I looked at several different um, uh, different versions of the scripture, I probably looked at twelve different, you know, the ESV, the NIV, and all those things, just seeing if there were different wording, uh, different wordings, and everything. But but he, he says now, see now, I have two daughters and have not known a man. Please let me bring them out to you, uh, and you may do to them as you wish. That is uh, most definitely um, not what God would want. Most definitely. There's no question in my mind. That, that is, that is uh, something that is uh, being presented uh, by a, a man that uh, is, is scared. He's afraid. And, uh, you know, understand that there, there's a lot of, um, especially in our culture, a lot of resistance to Christianity uh, men and women that, that hate Christianity, but just to understand that it was Jesus Christ uh, that that uh, elevated the place of of a woman, and just explaining. Uh, and then you look through in in his ministry, and uh, you look at through this through the scripture, and you know when when Paul is 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 writing, um, uh, you know about men and and well, no, sorry, not Paul. Um, uh, husbands love your wives as Christ. Yeah, it is Paul. Um, uh, Paul's writing, love your wives as Christ loved the church. I almost thought of what Peter was saying uh, about the, the weaker vessel and everything. Uh, but if you look at Christianity, it's one of the exclusive uh, religions that you can look at that will that actually elevates 
uh, women to the the position of being equal to men, you know, and all the others they're they're uh, you know subsidiary and and uh, that they um, uh, are are not equal to men. So uh, where where there's sometimes uh, even in within the feminist movement a hate for Christianity, it's like well, wait a minute, <laughs> let's talk about Christianity here for a minute. You know, that, uh, you know, made in God's image, you know, that, that he made them and, uh, you know, in his image. And uh, when we studied that all the way uh, back in, in the early chapters of Genesis, that, uh, that he made them male and female and uh, that it's uh, it, it's it's funny. We have different roles, but uh, but equal uh, in the eyes of God, male and female. So, um, you know, lots gone from, you know, pitching his tent. Uh, and now he's he's built this home in Sodom. He's got this house, and he, he understands the culture. He knows what's going on, um, and he's ready to under understanding these men and what they would do to his daughters. He's ready to to trade them off and to drag them out. Now, can you imagine the fight to drag those those young women out of that house? There's no way they're gonna be like, yeah, Dad, I'll go. Mm -mm, that ain't happening. They're going to be clung to a, you know, the kitchen table or something because they know that's going to be the end of their life, and it's it's just awful, you know. Lot is described in in the scripture as we read uh, that that Peter describes him uh, as a a righteous man. Doesn't mean that he always did the right thing and said the right thing, and we're going to get into that as we study here. But Lot wasn't known as a sinful man, but he also had some character flaws. And we're going to look at some of those even throughout this chapter. <clears throat> Lot's actions and words here do not reflect the character of God. You know, God uh, delivers these women, um, as we'll read. Uh, this was really Lot's stupid idea. It wasn't the Lord's. So when someone might read this and get automatically offended and shut their Bible and not want anything, whoa, wait a minute, that wasn't right. You know, Lot was an idiot, and he was saying, I say that, that was that was an idiotic thing to say, I should say. Verse 9, uh, their desire was to forcibly rape these individuals, and they voiced their hatred for Lot. They, they say it here, and, and they're saying, in, in verse 9, they say, this one came in to stay here and keeps acting like a judge. This is something that he has bugged them, and he's annoyed them. And, and here they are as a mob. They're tired of it. And now instead of raping the men and they've got nothing to do with the women, they want to go after Lot. And they say, you know what? Now it's going to be worse for you than it would have been. It says we will deal worse with you than with them. Now the, de the depravity here and they're pressing in toward Lot and uh, they're ready to break down the door. So this, this mob's coming in, and then we see in verse 10, but the men, the angels, reached out their hands and pulled Lot into the house with them and shut the door. And they struck the men who were at the doorway of the house with blindness, both small and great, so that they came, became weary trying to find the door. So the men, the angels, snatched Lot uh, from outside the door. And what we see here is heaven interceding again to preserve Lot is what we're seeing here. He's God has sent those angels, and they're physically snatching him out of the mob. And we're going to see they snatch him into the house, and then they snatch him out of the house later on in this chapter. And then they drag him out of the city. 
And this guy, you know, he he may have wanted to step out there uh, and try to calm things, but it, him saying what he was saying was not doing it at all. He needed to shut up and listen to those the, the men that were inside that we know were angels. And you know, Abraham, uh, you know, did the same thing for Lot. Uh, you know, when the kings uh, when the kings had come and they had taken him, uh, that they went and got Lot. And what we see is God's mercy continuing to deliver Lot from these situations. Because it being taken away, who knows what his life would have been like. He could have been brought into lifelong slavery. He could have, uh, we don't, they might have just killed him. You know, after these, uh, you know, what, what use do they have for him? I don't know. Um, but he's being dragged away there. And now these men are about to have their way with him. And these angels uh, deliver him. Now, in verse 11, it says that they struck the men of Sodom with blindness. <clears throat> Uh, so here we see here that they're frantically uh, in the, their raging sinful desire trying to do what they wanted to do, and they became weary trying to find the door. That the wording, if you look back at verse 11, says, And they struck the men who were at the doorway of the house with blindness, both small and great, so that they became weary trying to find the door. It wasn't like, hey, I'm blind. I give up. I'm going to go home. They became weary and still were trying to, to do their what they wanted to do. That's crazy. They don't understand. Like, hey, we're all blind. Maybe something's happening here. They are like they're they're like completely spiritually uh, spiritually blind and now physically blind, and they're not connecting any dots here. Like, wait a minute. Maybe there's something going on here. Maybe they thought, hey. We instantly just got the sniffles and now we're all blind. You know, they're not understanding what's going on. Totally lost to what's happening here. And they're trying so hard and they're becoming so weary trying to find the door. It reminded me, though, of, of sin. And when when we have given ourselves completely to a sin, that sin will drive. All we have to do, guys, and I, I don't mean to, 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 to continue to bring up uh, maybe somebody that we'll see on a, on a, on a street corner when you see him pray for him. Um, but uh, it, it, this is when we see that somebody is now at the point where they no longer have a home. They no longer have food. They no longer oftentimes have any new clothing or, or any of these things. They're at a spot where many would say they're at rock bottom, right? They're at that, that point. Just understand the sin is raging in their lives and has complete control of their lives that they're all they can think of. Not even them. Think of a gambler. Somebody, I have to gamble. I have to, you know, these, these commercials that they, they put on the radio and on the TV that are trying to remind people, Oh, Hey, you can, you can win $10 million. You can win. Uh, oh, by the way, because they have to, they say, if you have a gambling problem, dial da, 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 right. Because they want you to have a gambling problem because you, they get more money, Right. So they have to, uh, the obligatory, well, you know, if we've completely ensnared you, which we hope we have, uh, then, you know, we're just supposed to tell you there's this phone number, you know, and, and it's unfortunate. But that sin will will drive uh, as an absolute cruel master as sin is, that it would bring us, anybody, uh, in, in that point in so much submission to that sin. Uh, and the scripture tells us, you know, who, whoever we present ourselves uh, slaves to obey, that is our master, right? <clears throat> that that sin can have its way so bad that we would grow tired and we would grow weary trying to find it. 
Um, I've watched several documentaries on, uh, you know, it just, you can, you know, there are several documentaries out there for substance abuse or whatever it is. And, and watching and understanding that these people, as soon as they've gotten high, they need to get high again. As soon as they've gotten high, they've got to get high again. They, it, it's, it's a constant desire and need for it and that it's wearisome and that it, it's, it, and I don't know of one that loves it. They're now and they want to get out, but they don't know how to. That type of control is just, it's, it's wearying, you know, to become weary that, that all they can do is think about, I have to get to what I need to get to. These men here were so wicked, so violent that they didn't realize that the blindness they're experiencing was supernatural. And that if, if they had any sense about them, they would go their way home and repent and turn to God. But they're completely depraved and they're complete. They're way beyond that point in their life. And the Lord is about to, they're about to experience the Lord's judgment, unfortunately for them. And they're blind. And because they're blind, you'd think they'd, they'd pack up and go home, but they'll, they grow weary trying to find the door. Crazy. Verse 12. Then the men said to Lot. Now, when it says the men, it's talking about the angels. Have you anyone else here? Son-in-law, your sons, your daughters, and whomever you have in the city, take them out of this place. For we will destroy this place because of the outcry against them. It has grown great before the face of the Lord, and the Lord has sent us to destroy it. So Lot went out uh, and spoke to his sons-in-law who had married his daughters and said, uh, get up, get out of this place for the Lord will destroy the city. But to his sons-in-law, he seemed to be joking. So these men who are experiencing what it says, it goes, uh, the, the, he goes out to them, the, out into a different room or were they outside too? I, we don't know. He just, he goes out and has a conversation with them. But it says here that uh, these angels are telling them, go get everybody you can. Remember what the Lord said in 18, even if there were 10. Okay? Even if there were 10. And, uh, you know, we're going to destroy this place. So get everybody you can. So he has a conversation with them, and uh, they don't take him seriously. And what that does is if this man uh, has given his daughters to these men in marriage, what place of authority does he have in their life? You know, what respect does he have in their life? You know, um, yes, when two are married, they're supposed to leave and cleave and, and, and they're supposed to be their own household and those things. But there should still be some respect. And does his family take him seriously? You know, when they're when they're experiencing all this stuff, you really think Lot's going to be joking in this scenario? You know, these guys are just just I don't know. They're, they're amazing. So based on the tone and content of the message, they should have got, and what's happening here, they should have got the message. You know, was, uh, you know, was he that respected, you know, or is it they're looking going, oh yeah, it's crazy old lot again. You know, what was, what was happening here? You know, regardless of, of, uh, we, we don't know, but one thing we can say is that they didn't get that not so subtle hint that it's time to go. When, when Lot looks right at them and says, get up, get out of this place, for the Lord will destroy this city. But to his sons-in-law, he seemed to be joking. 
These were fools. And uh, you know when he's delivering this, uh, these these guys don't get it. I don't know how much how much more plain of a message it can be. Verse fifteen. When the morning dawned, the angels urged Lot to hurry, saying, Arise, take your wife and your daughters who are here, lest you be consumed in the punishment of the city. And while he lingered, the men uh, took hold of his hand, his wife's hand, and the hands of his two daughters. And the Lord being merciful to him, uh, the Lord being merciful to him, and they brought him out and set him outside the city. So they had stayed all night, and it says that the angels are urging him to hurry. And they say, take your wives and daughters and get out of here. So look at that. In verse 15, there's a command given by these angels, arise, take your wife, your two daughters who are here, lest you be consumed in the punishment of the city. And it says that Lot grabbed them and ran out, right? Look at verse 16. There's the frustration, right? And while he lingered. What are you lingering for, man? You had the, the 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 violent rapist mob outside your door. Angels had to reach out, drag you into the house, and protect you and your family overnight by making everybody blind. And now they're giving you the most easy orders ever. Get out of here. And, and he's not going anywhere. He's lingering there. Very frustrating. <laughs> you can't tell I'm a little bit annoyed by that. And he lingered. Then the men took hold of his hand. They literally had to drag him out of here. It says they took hold of his hand, his wife's hand, and the hands of his two daughters. Remember, two two angels, right? One one of them are grabbing the hands of one per uh, one hand of each person, and they're dragging the four out of there. And uh, it's <clears throat> his wife's hand, his daughter, uh, the hands of his two daughters. The Lord being merciful to him. What they're doing, these angels are doing, they're physically showing him the mercy of the Lord and, and dragging him out of his house and dragging him out of the city. They're physically, that, that, like when we think of the mercy of the Lord, we think of not getting what we deserve, right? But this is like the physical manifestation of that. <laughs> like the angels are literally dragging him out. Like I, 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 I remember it's a funny story. Um, I was, I was, a high schooler and I, I was in Spanish. Now I took two years of Spanish one in high school because I, uh, you guys know not the greatest of, of students didn't take studying, um, uh, seriously at all. So I took two years of Spanish one. I took two years of algebra one. <laughs> there are a lot of ones because John just wanted to get in there and play around and be immature and you know, all these things as a, as a freshman in high school, it didn't help. That I was actually a physically a year younger than everybody too. But, uh, anyways, and uh, I remember funny story about dragging. And um, so the word in Spanish for please is por favor. Okay, so um, there was a uh, another high school because my mom wasn't going to leave me and my my sister at home, even though I was like a, a freshman in high school, to take care of my sister because she knew I might go off and do whatever and everything. So she hired this senior and uh, this senior was responsible for actually watching my sister and I could go do whatever I wanted to do. And uh, my sister was kind of teasing us or whatever. So we're like, all right, we're going to, you're going upstairs. And, and so me and this, this lady are, or this girl are trying to drag my sister up the stairs and she's going, no, poor for And we're all laughing as hard as we can. And, you know, it's that laugh where you don't have any strength. 
and we're all like laying on the stairs trying to drag my sister up because she kept saying I taught her what please was. No, poor for You know, so th that was a playful dragging of my sister. Okay. Um, and I just share that because it popped in my head. But but this, what's happening here is they're experiencing the mercy. Uh, what it says here is the mercy, the Lord being merciful to him. They're, they're, they're dragging him out and they're, they're delivering him from the impending uh, destruction that's happening. And them physically dragging is the, the, the physical manifestation of God's mercy being poured out in, in Lot's lives, life and the life of his wife and his two, and his two daughters. Verse 16, why is he lingering? I have no idea. Um, uh, so they, they end up having to drag him out. So verse 17, so it came to pass when they had uh, brought them outside that he said, uh, he, one of the angels said, escape for your life. Do not look behind you, nor stay anywhere in the plain. Very ex uh, explicit, um, uh, exclusive uh, instruction here. Escape to the mountains, lest you be destroyed. Then Lot said to them, Please know, my lords, indeed now your servant has found favor in your sight, and you have increased your mercy, which you have shown me by saving my life. But I cannot escape to the mountains, lest some evil overtake me and I die. Frustration here. This is the word. Yeah. Uh, so now this city is near enough for me to flee to. And is it a little? It, it is a little one. Please let me escape there. Is it not a little one? And my soul shall live. What is he talking about? These angels, after, I won't even go through it again, after what they had physically just done to save his life twice now, they're going here and he's afraid. Lot's scared. Lot is 100% controlled by his, his emotions. Remember when Abraham brought him out and said, hey, we got to come to an agreement because there's not enough room here for for my servants and your servants and, and our livestock and your livestock. We got to switch places. And it says that he looked up and when he saw something that was pleasant to the eyes, that that place of very well watered and everything, that his emotions. He probably got excited. He followed his emotions. Where did he follow him? Sodom and Gomorrah, right? Now, and and we see him as somebody who's who's making decisions not based on on God's premises, but on just, he's just making things up and he's doing things on his own. And uh, now he's at a point where he's been delivered from the city. He's been delivered from all these men and he's telling them that he doesn't have enough faith to do what they're telling him to do. That's what he's saying here. Not so please. No, my Lords. They instructed him to get to the mountains for safety, escape for your life. Do not look back. Do not stay anywhere near here. Lest you be destroyed. So the angels were all about protection and deliverance of Lot, but um, you know he was the one that's uh, you know complicating what's happening here is, is what's happening. Didn't want to trust God enough uh, to go where He's directed, and uh, he wanted to follow His fear. He literally let his fear, you know, dictate where he was going to go. And the angels are just like, can you imagine? I, I just if, if the depiction's probably like head back, like oh. they're just looking at each other, like can you? And they're just, fine, go. You know, I, I, that's all extra biblical speculation on me. It's not biblical at all. But I have to wonder if, you know, if I'm frustrated, they're probably frustrated much more because they're angels and they know better than I do. Um, but, you know, they, you know, physically had brought them all out there. And, and, you know, Lot had prayed for help and deliverance. 
Lot had prayed uh, that uh, you know uh, he had cried out to God about the wickedness of Sodom and Gomorrah, and you know uh, heaven had heard and intervened, and now Lot is lingering. He's manipulating the situation out of his own fear, and he seemed to want to hang on uh, and to somehow in a weird way to be in some sort of control of what's happening uh, because of his own fear. And based on what we see in Lot's actions and here in his word, fear is what led Lot uh, a lot, a lot, now, Lot, capital L-O-T, a lot in his life, much in his life. I'll say it that way. He might have been too afraid uh, to leave uh, the misery. Isn't that weird that he was so used to the craziness here that he's like, oh, if I go there, I don't know what's going to happen. I remember one of my supervisors saying, hey, we're going to go with the devil we know here, you know, and I was like, what? Is and that's really just like, yeah, well, we don't really know what's going on, but we're going to go with even though this may seem like it's not great, at least we know this way. You know, that's it's just a, a saying. And um, but whatever it is, uh, he's he's. He's still uh, trying to manipulate the, the the process here, and it's amazing how we settle for such no low normals, uh, and uh, we let uh, the fear of the unknown uh, control us, isn't it? Ah, you know what? Do, do I really want to follow God? Is He really calling me? Because this could happen. This could happen. This could happen. This could happen. Do I want to do these things? Uh, yes. If God is calling us to, yes. If God, you know that that I don't know if it's only Calvary Chapel where it came from or whatever, where God guides, God provides. If God says go do this, and we can confirm that in Scripture, in prayer, uh, and, and through uh, brothers and sisters, church leadership, whatever it is, and God has made it sure in our hearts, we just march on and do uh, take our orders and move forward. That's what we're supposed to do. It doesn't get more obvious. That then we can trust God than for angels to arrive to deliver you uh, from an uh, you know an angry rapist mob and uh, tell you that you need to listen or and and escape and we still question <laughs> like think of all the obvious things that just happened here right my uh, one word I have to share seeing is not believing seeing is not believing it's not that's not it at all seeing is not believing faith comes by hearing right Hebrews tells us. And hearing by the word of God. It's not based on what we see and experience. That's not faith. That's not faith. That's just what we've experienced and what we've seen. Now we can still question what we've seen and everything. But when we understand who God is, that's what changes our lives. So this is a big lesson for us here is when God's delivering us, what are we doing lingering? You know, if we if it's not us in this small group. That's that's struggling with something God's trying to rip us out of, you know, a, a specific sin or lifestyle or whatever that's trying to call us back, whatever it is, you know. There's that. Uh, just understand, don't linger. If God, uh, it will will describe it this way, you know, when when God saved us from our sin, He unlocked the prison door and opened it. You know, it's it's wide open. All we got to do is step out. Oftentimes, we're so comfortable in that that cold and uh, and uh, bare place, and uh, that that's that's given us so much torture that well we're kind of used to that, you know. And unfortunately, uh, you know, sometimes uh, we're so hard headed that we're going to stay there um, just because that's what we've grown to be comfortable with, you know. It, it, the message is here that these guys are saying there's deliverance there. It tells them don't look back. 
you know, don't look back, you know, get as far away from the situation, the temptation in our lives as possible. That is a problem. I'm going to go do that, you know, and, and, and move away in the other direction. Cause if we don't, just like they say, just uh, destruction can come. Destruction will come in our lives. There's a lot of parallels from, from this specific spot. We'll continue on. I'll, uh, we got 15 minutes, so I'm going to try to plow through this. It's, uh, what's 7.15? We got 15. Okay. And he said to him, See, I have favored you concerning this thing also, in that I will not overthrow the city for which you have spoken. Hurry, escape there, for I cannot do anything until you arrive there. Therefore, the name of the city was called Zoar, and the sun has risen uh, had risen upon the earth when Lot entered Zoar. So the angel makes it very clear to Lot that uh, his life is being spared and that the impending destruction is held back because of Lot and his family. They're, they're making it very clear as soon as Lot and his family are safe, brimstone and fire were going to rain down. Verse 24 says, Then the Lord rained brimstone and fire on Sodom and Gomorrah from the Lord out of the heavens. So the scriptures make it very clear that this is the judgment of God and punishment that came from the Lord. This wasn't just a weird weather thing that you know destroyed everything. This was coming from the Lord. And the Lord rained uh, brimstone and fire from the Lord out of the heavens. Ever been hit by little bits of hail? Or had them come down and hit the car or whatever? It hurt, don't they? It hit you in the face? <laughs> Ow! You know, these are, these are, I don't know how big, but you know, the fire and brimstone, you know, I'm good. I'm, I'm, I'm all set. I think I'm, I'm, what city did I have to go to or what mountain did I have to go? Yeah, I'm going in that direction, right? Yeah. Verse 25. So he, God, overthrew those cities, all the plain, all the inhabitants of the city, and what grew on the ground. But his wife looked back behind him and she became a pillar of salt. There are some that are going to read this and go, Bible is just full of you know fairy tales. A woman turned immediately to salt. Well, hail, fire, and brimstones falling from the sky. It's not all that uh, impossible to think that somebody's body can be dehydrated like that, and they're stuck. I don't know. But was it the heat? Was it? We, we'll we'll look at this a little bit further, but. Uh, you know, now that Lot and his family are gone, the massive destruction starting, but his wife looks back. And um, that word that's used here means looking intently. She looked back intently. It wasn't like, whoa, you know, it was looking back intently. Um, you know, was it longing, a longing heart that she had grown to love the place? I don't know. Um, you know, was it physical destruction uh, that, that, that came uh, from being too close? You know, where, where she was supposed to be fleeing, did she stop and get too close? And, you know, uh, and it was too hot. And she, I, I, I there's, there, we just know that she turned into a pillar of salt. And um, I just believe that the Lord instantly dehydrated her. And, uh, and that was it for her. And uh, so there, there are some that will mock our faith because of that. Uh, you know, I, I had um, a guy I, I used to uh, be in the military with, uh, he posted something. He was basically all these things about being, uh, being an atheist and what you have to believe to be an atheist. He's like, and as a Christian, he's like, I don't have enough faith to be an atheist. And I was like, man, that's so awesome. So I, I, I took a picture of it and I, I liked it. Um, but uh, so 
that that is what happened. And you know, we don't know exactly what was going on in her heart, but we see uh, it's pretty interesting though because Jesus referenced her uh, in the New Testament in Luke chapter seventeen, Luke seventeen verses twenty-eight through thirty-two. Say, <clears throat> likewise, as it uh, as it was also in the days of Lot, they ate, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built. But on the day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even so, it will be uh, in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. In that day, he who is on the mount on the housetop and his goods are in the house, let him not uh, come down and uh, and take them away. And likewise, he was in the field, let him not turn back. Remember Lot's wife? That's Jesus saying that. So she's famous for the wrong reasons. It's not good. But she was to flee as though her life was in danger, not looking back for any reason. And she disobeyed that and, and did. And Jesus uses that in the New Testament to teach us. That impending doom that she faced, the same impending doom that end times faces. When this all happens, Jesus is like, get out of there. And he's talking to that remnant of people that are, are still there. And that's a whole different study there. But so uh, what we can gather from this is we need to look forward, as the instructions of the Lord said through the angel. This doesn't mean that we can never reflect on, you know, what or where we were before we were saved. But we shouldn't be looking back, uh, you know, um, uh, physically, mentally longing to return. That reminiscing like, oh, look where God called me out of. You know, that that sinful reminiscing of, oh, I used to have this old, you know, the bad old days. You know, everybody says, oh, yeah, the good old days. Everybody, yeah, yeah, the bad old days. You know, spiritually, they were our bad days. They were setting us up for, uh, for, for hell. Uh, verse 27. And Abraham went early in the morning to the place where he had stood before the Lord. Uh, and he looked toward Sodom and Gomorrah and toward the, all the land of the plain, and he saw, uh, and behold, the be, uh, and behold, the smoke of the land, which went up like the smoke of a furnace. And it came to pass, when God destroyed the cities of the plain, that God remembered Abraham, and sent Lot out of the midst of the overthrow, when he overthrew the cities which Lot in which Lot dwelt. So the scene shifts here a little bit, and Abraham got up early in the morning and goes to the place where he met the Lord and sees the devastate. No doubt there's the conversation that they're pointing over to uh, where Sodom and Gomorrah was during the conversation. So Abraham gets up in the morning, knows that something's happening, and he goes and looks. He sees the devastation. God had told him about it and had delivered Lot uh, from what was happening here. Verse 30, then Lot went up out of Zoar, and dwelt in the mountains, and his two daughters were with him, for he was afraid to dwell in Zoar, and he and his two daughters dwelt in a cave. So he was afraid to leave Sodom and Gomorrah, uh, had to be dragged out of there, afraid to go to the mountains, so we wanted to go to Zoar. Then he went to Zoar, and he's afraid to be there, and then he goes to the mountains. He's led by his emotions. This man's completely led by his emotions. And he totally leads his family astray by his emotions. Once again, led by fear. Now he goes to the mountains where he was told to go in the first place. Then they move into a cave. Now things get really weird and really uncomfortable. Because now he's in a cave with his two daughters and they have 
the most wicked of plots, and uh, we'll see where the uh, craziness continues right here. Verse 31. Now the firstborn said to the younger, Our father is old, and there is no man on the earth to come into us, as is the custom of all the earth. Wrong. They had just left a city of Zoar, and uh, no doubt knew that there were people there. These are... Wow. Uh, anyways, um, verse 32. Come, let us make our father drink wine, and we will lie with him, uh, that we may preserve the lineage of our father. So they made their father drink wine that night. And the firstborn went in and lay with her father, as he did, and he did not know when she lay down or when she arose. And it happened on the next day that the firstborn said to the younger, Indeed, I lay with my father last night. Let us make him drink wine tonight also, and you go in and lie with him, that he may preserve the lineage, that we may preserve the lineage of our father. Then they made their father drink wine that night also. And the younger arose and lay with him, and he did not know when she lay down or when she arose. Thus both the daughters of Lot were with child by their father. The firstborn bore a son and called his name Moab, and he, uh, he is the father of the Moabites to this day. And the younger, she also bore a son and called his name Ben-Ami, or Ami. He is the father of the people of Ammon to this day. So as we see here, this is wrong on every level. There's not much commentary needed uh, regarding is this right or wrong, right? And you know, the oldest daughter uh, presents an unfathomable plan to her younger sister uh, to get their father drunk, have sexual relations with their father, um, and not only one night, but two consecutive nights. And uh, after one night of being blackout drunk, um, he goes in for round two, and uh, uh, he sleeps with both of his daughters and doesn't even know it. The Bible doesn't forbid drinking of wine. We've discussed this. The Bible does most certainly forbid drunkenness. And we've discussed that several times. I'm gonna, we're going to look at two verses. Proverbs 20 verse 1 says, Mine is, Wine is a mocker, strong drink is a brawler, and whoever is led astray by it is not wise. Uh, case in point, and what we just read, uh, uh, Ephesians 5, verse 18, And do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, but be filled with the Spirit. If you're going to be filled with something, be filled with the Spirit. This man allowed his daughters to continue to feed him wine, so much so that he didn't know what he was doing at night. So much so that he had sexual relationship with both of his, his children, on consecutive nights and didn't even know it. It doesn't get worse than that. Oh my goodness. You know, look at where alcohol led Lot and his life. You know, he had, uh, he had uh, proper, if he had properly led his family, they wouldn't be at this point. They wouldn't, this wouldn't have even been an option. Lot's life's a mess. But remember, Peter says that he was a righteous man. So we have to look in there and go, whoa, God's got a lot of grace. And realize God's got a lot of grace for us. But this man has some things messed up in his life. And there's a lot going on that's not right in what's going on in Lot's life. Another Guzik thing for me to share from Pastor Guzik, uh, David Guzik. He says, 
Living in the low moral environment of Sodom had a great and harmful effect on Lot's family. His compromise affected far more than himself. Now read that one more time. Living in the low moral environment of Sodom had a great and harmful effect on Lot's family. His compromise affected far more than himself. Wow. Obvious. Now, that story, crazy as it is, we're not going to dwell on it much. It describes everything that just happened there. We know it's wrong. The scriptures say it's wrong. It's it, The incest was not supposed to happen. A father, it, that, it's not supposed to happen. That what happened was wrong. And now there are two children born, Moab and Ben-Ami, or uh, Ami, uh, however you want to look at that. I'm going to say Ben-Ami. So Moab, literally the name means from father. Okay, uh, more about uh, them as we continue through the scriptures. But uh, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and Joshua, uh, we're, we're going to get into that, and we'll see the Moabites listed in there. You're going to understand that Balak and Balaam, uh, uh, that uh, when it comes to Moab, uh, there's uh, they're tied to Moab, and uh, the goal was to lead Israel into sexual sin and idolatry. And uh, it's not all bad because we see that there's a woman named Ruth, that was a Moabitess and she is in the genealogy of Jesus Christ. So within all the commotion and craziness, there's grace, there's salvation, there's God's mercy, you know, interwoven in there. Ben Amai, uh, his name means son of my people. And he's the father of the Am Ammonites. And uh, God told Israel not to intermarry with them because they would lead them astray. And they still did. And uh, there were parts of it. Israel that, that bordered um, the Ammonites, and, and uh, they worshipped Milcom and Molech. Milcom was the national god of the uh, Ammonites, and uh, Solomon had built a high place to Milcom, and then Josiah came and knocked that, that place down. Uh, Molech, we've studied uh, here before, um, was a uh, especially disturbing uh, false god that um, – uh, the statues would be a tall statue, sometimes with a weird like bull head, um, and it would have outstretched arms and, and uh, uh, a hole cut uh, in its belly, and they would create a fire inside that belly, and they would burn and uh, burn that uh, uh, that cast iron or whatever it was so hot that it would get glowing red, and they would sacrifice their babies. Um, uh, and uh, the the families would. Um, Sometimes it would be unwanted babies from just sexual promiscuity and those things. But uh, actually, uh, there were also those that would, um, uh, for couples that sacrificed their firstborn, they believed that Molech would ensure that they would have financial prosperity uh, for the family and future children. So if they sacrificed their first ones, they get that thing red hot, and throw the baby up there and incinerate it and, and the hot. It's just absolute craziness. And God, that's why God told them, do not intermarry with unbelievers. You know, what are you doing? You're going to destroy your relationship. You know, what do we have even in the New Testament? Don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers. You know, there's that warning, not that we're supposed to hate them and want them to die. No, it's not it at all. It's the total opposite, to bring them and to share the gospel with them. But for us to be tied to them in a marriage, is not. it's not the will of the Lord. For somebody who's not a believer, they should not be, uh, for, who is a believer, they should not be marrying an unbeliever. 
So God rebuked Israel several times for uh, regarding Molech. And the Ammonites were very wicked and cruel. Uh, Amos chapter 1 verse 13, thus says the Lord, and it says, uh, For three transgressions of the people of Ammon, and for four, I will not turn away its punishment, because they ripped open the women with child in Gilead, that they might enlarge their territory. These were not good people. Where did they come from? All the way back to Lot doing whatever he's doing and his life being out of control. So what a chapter. I mean, this is, uh, we started it talking about the, the depravity and we talked about the sexual sin and uh, the, the sin of homosexuality. And, and, but that's why we got all the way to Romans and where, where Paul was saying at the end of Romans 1, uh, verse 28 and 29, I think it was, where he's saying that God gave them over to a debased mind. These people were 100% all debased mind. And look at the chaos and destruction and, and madness that happened. And uh, it's just that it's craziness. Look at our nation. Our nation. It's, there's there's a, a depravity that's happening within our nation. There's a downward spiral, a spiral that uh, sexual immorality in and of itself has permeated our society young and old remember the old and young men came up you know i i uh i've seen commercials uh multiple times about this drag show that's going to be on you know and it's all uh, like uh, men dressed as women and hey let's glorify it and make a show about it and that's the, i think they've already been around forever but that's what our nation is consuming right now that type of depravity that type of of stupidity but anybody who speaks out about about it, if I speak out against that, we're bigots. No, I'm just calling it what it is. It's wrong. It's creepy. It should be spoken against. That is a man. That man should not be dressing as a woman, even provocatively. It's just gross. Speak the truth in love, you know, especially to the lost. You know that if you haven't, I'm going to wrap up right now. But if you haven't seen any of the advertisements for the documentary, I got to watch the whole thing. I have to. What is a woman? It's Matt Walsh just asking a simple question: What is a woman? And what he's trying to do is protect women. And he'll go to like a women's rally, and he'll just ask people, and they're getting like mad at him. He's like, "Look, I'm just asking you what a woman is." And he's having these conversations with people here. It's frightening the answers. Frightening the answers about uh, as he's having discussions with medical professionals, with teachers, with one specific pediatric doctor. She's having this discussion with Matt Walsh, and he's asking them. And this, the frightening answers you just you can look it up on YouTube too. Uh, what is a woman, Matt Walsh? And there's there's some like teasers you can watch like five minutes of it or whatever. And, and the frightening answers about sexual reassignment of young children, like butchering their bodies, you know, that, um, a puberty blockers that this one physician saying there's no, re no, uh, repercussions for that. It's, it's, it's complete. What you're telling me, you know, more than God. Okay. That, that, that you can stop this body's uh, process from developing and that you can just put it on pause. They literally say we can just put it on pause. It's, it's that stupid. It's, 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 it's crazy. You know, this it's permeating our school system. It's shocking stories of them assisting children without their parents knowing right here in the state of Maine. Jen sent me a text today with that, that another Christian shared uh, a post 
uh, of something. She sent it today. You know, they're cross-dressers having story time in libraries right here in Maine. Love these people, but we don't have to tolerate that. We can speak against their sin, but we need to love them also. You know, think of Kirk Cameron, if you're not familiar with him. You know, he's, he, he was fighting. He had to fight and use his First Amendment right to get into a public library to read a book about God's love. Isn't that crazy? And there's like people freaking out, losing their minds over it. But some guy can dress in drag and be half-dressed, half and they're like, this is great, you know? And I'm like, oh, my goodness. No, it's not. The redefinition of marriage, God defined marriage between a man and a woman. It's, 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 it's what it is. And the, some of the arguments are this is outdated. It's 2023. You know, you're still looking at this book? Yes, because it's still true. You know, the outcry cry had, had grown great, and God had heard enough, and he sent angels to deliver Lot before destroying Sodom and Gomorrah. Remember, all before we started this, God said that if there were ten righteous in there, he would have saved Sodom and Gomorrah. He would have spared them, and there weren't. We need to pray. This world is in big, big trouble. It needs Jesus Christ. needs his gospel, his love to change. Amen? Amen. God, we, uh, we thank you for your word. Lord, we come to you asking that you would cause revival to happen within the church, that the church would repent and turn back to you. And God, that this nation would turn our eyes back to you. We've turned so far from you. Save us and help us, Lord. We don't want to experience such crazy depravity that we just read. We don't want that. Lord, we want restoration. We want salvation. Please forgive us of our sins as a church. Lord, help us to not be hard-headed when we see these lessons that we can learn from the, the mistakes in Lot's life, that we would just listen to you, trust you, and follow you, and not our fears and our own will. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.